you're listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. With the season of Advent beginning just two weeks from today, the lectionary moves us into a gospel reading marked by urgency in which Jesus speaks about the impending destruction of the temple. In the year 70, less than 10 years after Mark writes his gospel, that temple had been destroyed by the Roman Empire, something that would have been all but unthinkable in the Jewish community of the time. Unthinkable because it was such an imposing structure Look, teacher, the disciple had said, what large stones and what large buildings, sounding kind of like a farm kid visiting the big city for the first time. Will you look at this place? Unthinkable, too, because of the temple's importance in the practices of the Jewish faith. Now, they had a distant community memory of the first temple, the one built by King Solomon in the mid-10th century B.C., and then destroyed by the Babylonian Empire in 587 B.C. There had been a considerably more modest temple built to replace it when the exiles returned from Babylon and began to rebuild. And then in the decades before the birth of Jesus, King Herod the Great had undertaken a massive overhaul of that modest temple, refashioning it in grand style to become the structure that had so awed that disciple. The temple, be that Solomon's temple, or the one the exiles had built, or the one that Herod had more or less rebuilt, stood at the very center of the Jewish religious imagination. It was where sacrifices and offerings were made, but more importantly, it was the visible sign of the presence of God in the land and with the people. Yes, they had this memory of how Solomon's temple had been raised by the Babylonian Empire, but surely that couldn't happen again. I mean, after all, This temple had been rebuilt by Herod the Great, and the current King Herod, his heir, has his alliances with Rome. Surely it's safe, solid, secure, and lasting. But Jesus begs to differ. He can feel the tension that is rising, the restlessness of those who would rebel against Rome, try to push them out. He can hear Roman swords rattling in the streets, and he knows that empires are not patient. And so Jesus reads the signs of the times. He speaks to his disciples of coming wars, rumors of wars, famine, conflict, even earthquakes, saying to them, in effect, Don't be too impressed by the size of those stones, by the size of these buildings. They aren't permanent. Now, I have to tell you, 
that I love this old church building. What Jim Draper, one of the former parish priests here, used to call that big pile of stones at the corner of Broadway and Osborne. I first walked into this place during my second year of university studies, and it very quickly became my church home. It was while I was here as a university student that I was confirmed, and then when I began to discern a call into ordained ministry, something I had not expected at all, the Parish of All Saints was my sponsoring community. Fifteen years ago, the Parish of All Saints invited this brand new community called St. Benedict's Table to move in and share quarters here, they in the morning, we in the evening. And for me, that invitation rang with a sort of poetry. It was coming home. The first Sunday that we worshipped here, I, I arrived very early and I walked up and down the aisles, breathing in that distinctive old church smell of aged wood. And, to be honest, a touch of musty dampness, too. But I felt I'd come full circle. I'd, I'd, I'd begun here, and now we were returning here, coming home. The place has gotten a little creakier over the years. But then again, so have I. So that's fine. Now, my affection for this building is one thing. The connection of the Jews to the temple was of a whole different order. We can find solace and peace in this place as we pray and sing and break bread together. It, it can be for us a sacred space, a place in which we open ourselves to the holy. With its stained glass and carved wood, it really is lovely in all of its creakiness. Yet, if tomorrow it all came crashing down, literally to become that big pile of stones at the corner of Broadway and Osborne, not one stone left upon another, we would be no less church. For the Jewish people in 70 AD, the loss was more dire. Their great temple and much of the city of Jerusalem that surrounded it decimated the soldiers of the empire ruthlessly working to destroy the heart of the nation, of the people. Who were they now? Without Jerusalem, without the temple, without that visible sign, who were they now? It was a question that continued to be asked slowly and painfully for decades, even centuries to come. Now, Jesus concludes this portion of his teaching by telling the disciples that this, the conflict, the impending loss, the crisis, this is but the beginning of the birth pangs. And that's actually meant to be an intensely hopeful statement in that birth pangs mean that there is a birth coming. In this case, it's the kingdom the new creation, God's new way with the people. The temple and all of its systems had long been a way in which the people could draw close to God. But now, 
For all that it might look like raw disaster that the temple was to be destroyed, now a new way was being brought about for God to be present among the people. The unnamed author of the epistle to the Hebrews wrote after the temple had been destroyed, wrote in full knowledge of all that had been lost. We've been reading from Hebrews for a while now. For ten chapters, this writer has been steadily working out what it all means, that loss, and what the new way might actually be. For ten chapters, the writer has been making a case that that ancient system with its priests and its sacrifices, offerings, and its temple had now come to a new fullness through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We have a great high priest over the house of God, he writes. A great high priest. Jesus is that priest. And the house, the sanctuary, is no longer one built of stones. Let us approach, he writes, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he, Jesus, he who has promised is faithful. And what is the promise. Well, citing the prophet Isaiah, the writer of the epistle to the Hebrews says, the Spirit teaches us that God will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more, forgotten, adding, where there is forgiveness of these There is no longer any need for an offering for sin. It has all been done. It is finished, accomplished by the great high priest. And to mix in just a little bit of St. Paul, that great high priest does not stand apart from us because he has drawn us into himself making us not little underlings who are to be afraid of his power and might and judgment, but rather members of his very body, the body of Christ, each of us invited to fulfill a part of the whole together, each of us treasured and relished and forgiven and beloved by Christ who is the head of the body. That's the new temple, the people gathered as the body. So no, our buildings aren't us. At their best, they can serve us and serve us well, standing as places to gather and to be visible reminders of the holy in the midst of an increasingly secular world. Buildings can also become burdens, burdens that need to be released or reimagined, which is what the parish of St. Matthew has done when they took that bold step of redeveloping their big pile of bricks at the corner of Maryland and St. Matthew's, 
creating the West End Commons, not simply a worship place, but a community space and housing. But if these buildings, whether ours or even St. Matthew's, was to come tumbling down, literally maybe, or metaphorically, in terms of simply no longer being sustainable under the current model, well, maybe that is also just the beginning of the birth pangs that will unfold into a new birth, new beginning, new way of being Christ's body. Now, again, I really like this place, and I'd really rather it didn't come tumbling down, either literally or metaphorically. I believe it has served us well, not only us, but the parish of all saints, and up until quite recently, St. Andrew's Sudanese Mission as well, and up until quite recently in that tired parish hall, Agape Table, 30 years of meals, five days a week. But we have to hold it lightly, for we have a great high priest, not contained by stones and bricks. We are his people, and as such, we have to walk as his people. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.